You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. I'm just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm so excited to have back with me is Christy Morris. Hello. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good, I, but I don't know where I am. Well, uh, you're on planet Earth, and um, oh. what are you wearing? It's my wedding dress. I'm supposed to get married today. Oh, oh to a that, prince. that's yeah, that's that is some kind of fabulous. Well, um, welcome to Amanda, the one and only princess that we need on this show. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's the evil queen. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. <laughs> well, we are absolutely going to have a blast as uh, we cover an older movie, but something super fun. Um, Enchanted is now on Disney Plus, and we thought we would just have a grand old time talking about a movie that I don't know. I mean, do we all love? Maybe we'll have to see. But before we get there, uh, as we talk about the movie, Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, um, remember, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, because, of course, you're listening. If you're listening on some sort of podcast app, just subscribe, and you'll make sure you'll get the show as soon as it drops. If you're in one of those places like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can always give us a star rating and a review. Help more people find the show. We'd love that. Uh, And then, of course, you can find us on the social medias like Twitter at The 602 Club, on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. You can follow us there. Of course, there's Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. There's our listeners-only discussion group. You could talk to listeners from all over the world about our podcast. And then, of course, uh, you can also go over to the website at trek.fm and see everything that we're doing podcast-wise. Do want to say, though, a huge thank you to the people who support us here on Patreon. Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah. I do really appreciate them being a part of our team and make sure... Uh, all of these podcasts come to you, not just the 602 Club. And if you like our show, we would encourage you, if you like the what we do, you got to help us out. Uh, go to patreon.com slash trekfm and see how you can be part of our team. So I did a little research, as I always like to do, is talking about these type of movies. And there was an initial script for this movie that was a much different movie and that really surprised me um, because the original script was considered basically unsuitable for disney because it was a racier r-rated movie kind of uh in the vein of like they said like fast times at ridgemont high or american pie and um the first draft uh had uh giselle being mistaken for a stripper when she arrives in in new york city and so I just wanted to ask both of you, like, is our universe where you could see that type of movie being made, which is basically kind of like more of almost a spoof, I guess, of, but a very racy spoof of like Disney type of films? I don't know if I could imagine seeing that kind of film come to fruition on Disney Plus per se, but I think it would be a really interesting <laughs> concept. Like, are we going to get a Disney Plus at night, like a Nick at night, or I don't know, (laughs) Adult Swim? (laughs) No, this was way too far off of the Disney programming style. Yeah. (laughs) But that is really strange that that's how it started, because seeing the finished product now, I'm like, how? How? Yeah. I would love to see... The process of getting from point A to point B. Because that's a a really, really far stretch. (laughs) 
right from what we get now yeah. it's like you know the adorable i would say possibly even g-rated movie at this point intensely sugar-coated in. yeah <laughs> you know I, it's it's interesting because i mean obviously when they're talking about this this is uh, way back in september of 1997 you know so th- this is consideration for something that would come out in the movie theater just like enchanted did in the first place and but i mean you know this could be something like i guess you could see being a miramax type film at that point because you know that's that's what miramax was for disney Mm -hmm. and when i think about this idea of kind of like having a very a much racier version of this like i can see that happening like but with the movie that we got it just feels like In some ways, it almost feels like there's another movie that's that's slightly more adult, I think, than Enchanted that does similar things, which is Ella Enchanted with Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. where it has some more adult themes to it and everything. Um, and so, again, like having seen that in, in my brain, like I can kind of see them kind of doing this type of film, um, but in a much more R-rated version. But, you know, I think... We would probably all agree that, you know, having them by the 2005, they hire Kevin Lima and um, the original writer Bill Kelly comes back and they decide to make this a loving homage to Disney's heritage. You know, I think I, I think we would all agree that was the much better choice. Yeah, I think that this movie is going to maintain um, an almost timeless aspect because of the direction that they did end up going in, as opposed to it being kind of a tongue-in-cheek, um, borderline smutty movie. I think it's a little more accessible to all ages. Right. Like, if you think about two similar movies, like they were saying something like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. although that's something that's become like a cult classic kind of thing, it is very dated. Yeah. And it's not going to be, like you said, like timeless, like the general Disney formula with a lot of the animation was. And they also threw in a fair amount of female empowerment with the the um, the con- conflicting view of, you know, damsel in distress that's also initially presented in this film. Whereas if you made Giselle a stripper, it may have diminished some of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, the dad's literally giving his daughter a book of empowered women who have made huge strides in history. I don't think that would have flown mm-hmm. with the uh, stripper Giselle version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I think you're going to get a much better audience, obviously, when you make it for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the whole movie is, is kind of about... You know, it, not only just paying homage to a, a Disney things, but also to kind of like turn it on its head. And, yeah. you know, I think that that's a whole part of, of the film is, is really taking everything that they've done before and not necessarily updating it, but it's like, we're going to play with that idea. You know, we're going to play with yeah. all the ideas from all the movies and everything, and we're going to have a good time doing it. And I think, you know, one of the ways that happens is that, you know, you start with the animated opening that opens the same way that all the classic animated movies did with a book, except this time it's a pop-up book, so it's even cooler. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have Julie Andrews narrating things, and it starts out in an animated world. Um, And so I was wondering for both of you, do you you know like this as a start for the film and kind of our first foray into meeting the character of Giselle before she pops into quote unquote the real world? Oh, absolutely. I think that the storybook beginning was a beautiful way to make it feel like authentic Disney before jettisoning us off into sarcastic um, real world New York and kind of, you know, the jaded persona that you get with that scenario. I thought it was a really good sharp fall 
mm-hmm. to kind yeah. of jerk you into it. And it starts off at least with something familiar where mm-hmm. if you've seen things like Sleeping Beauty or um, Thumbelina, even I'm kind of thinking of, you know, it both started with a book mm-hmm. um, and and that's kind of how they tie it all together at the end of and they lived happily ever after. Yep. Um, so you have that to kind of give you some comfort before they then show you what this movie is really all about. And it I like that it goes the direction then of um, comparing how a fairy tale character would feel in our world. Yep. But I like that even the uh, the animated characters, like the animals, are sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's I, I think the the best thing about the animated beginning is that, it, especially you know, by this point, you may have a lot of kids that go to see this with their parents that they haven't seen all of the Disney movies, and so this kind of helps put them into the the, the mindset of like where we're starting, which is very important for this story because the rest of this is about like we we're kind of talking about mixing it up and and playing with a lot of the original thematic elements that we got in the old Disney films and with uh, a more modern sensibility um, and seeing how those mesh and and maybe trying to find like a nice mixture, you know, of of old and new. Um, and so I think, you know, doing the animated section here is so much fun. You know, it pays homage to almost every single type of a Disney film, you know, that was animated, you know, from, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, you know, all the way to, I can't even remember, but I'm thinking of like the classic, you know, Beauty and the Beast and the Lion King. I mean, they're paying homage to all of those, right, uh, Mm -hmm. films in, in that pantheon, and so, and I think it's, it's really fun. And, and part of the, the, the best part of that too, I think is just the look of the characters they give in the animation, you know, Giselle looks like Amy Adams, but she also kind of pays homage to all of the other Disney princesses that have come before her. Um, and then, you know, I think they did a great job of, of, and something they were really keen to do is James Marsden. they, actually wanted him to look like James Marsden even more than Giselle looks like Amy Adams because they were like so many of those princes are kind of like can't really tell them apart you know (laughs) and so they really wanted him to be distinctive and so like yeah this animated opening I think is just so clever and you know it starts off too with great song which is exactly what you want from one of these Disney films you know and so I think this is was really the perfect way to reintroduce a whole new generation maybe to classic Disney, but at the same time then, you know, fall into the the rabbit hole of the real world. And doing something unexpected with it. You know, you start out with this movie thinking that it's going to just be paying homage to Disney classics, and Mm -hmm. then they go a completely different route and surprise you with the way that the plot lines up with everything and then you know putting the animation in the real world as well which apparently they hadn't done since who framed roger rabbit in 1988 yeah yep yeah and of course not quite the same um you know you never really have the real world and the animation interacting in the same way but no right. absolutely so it, it's very cool that they they do that i was reading that too christy and that, that's a great point um I, you know, we talk we've talked a lot about this idea and so i think this might because like thematically this is the whole movie is about worlds collide and it's the world uh it's the competing world views of the fantasy world of love and the cynical real world kind of crashing together um, and how people kind of view those old movies and what they say about love with what we experience now, you know, with, I mean, you know, obviously you've got uh, Robert having had his wife leave him and, you know, and you have these things that, you know, in a fantasy world of Disney cartoons, we never deal with, you know, people being left and divorced and all that stuff. And so I 
I think this might be my favorite part of the movie is just how well I think they reinforce classic Disney uh, mentality, but at the same time use it to kind of give you even, I think, a more rounded look at what actual true love is and that it's not the cynical worldview and it's not the fantasy worldview it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, this film specifically with some of those themes was kind of a stepping stone for some later animated works that Disney ended up doing with more of um, that. Like in Frozen, you can't marry a man you just met. Mm-hmm. They kind of revisit that theme themes that were presented in Enchanted um, in later films and like Tangled, you know, she saves herself a little bit there too. And I really like that this film kind of is able to embody a lot of that. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think that it's really cool how they show that, like you said, Matt, the two meet somewhere in the middle and that even though the full 100% Disney view of love, you know, in their world of Andalasia is not realistic. (laughs) It can be applied to our world to give people hope, Mm -hmm. you know, that, um, you know, I thought even though they play it as a silly scene, her crying about finding out the couple is getting divorced Mm -hmm. is such a refreshing thing because I think that we've been desensitized to it because it happens so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah that people don't really stop and think about how serious of a life change that is sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's like forever, you know, it's it's sad. (laughs) No, I think, I think the thing that it does by having these characters interact, it shines a light on the strengths and weaknesses of the views. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and in many ways, I think mostly Giselle kind of, shines a light on many of the things that we've lost, which is the ability to trust people, the ability to love people kind of unconditionally, the the ability to get married and stay married, you know, for ever, you know, like that, that's the, we laugh at those ideas and, and think they're silly so many times. And, and yet, you know, we also want that though too like that's why we watch all of these type of movies because we we do intrinsically kind of want those things i think deep inside and so they reinforce the that what we're we're missing you know and i think that's that's kind of the thing that i i love because the whole idea i think that i really came to especially rewatching the film was that this movie helps us see that you know true love is not love that takes advantage of another but it's it's a love that helps make the other person the best version of themselves and Giselle gets made a better more holistic person by Robert you know helping her to see that you know love is not just like this flitty like thing it's like a choice you're making it's about like even when the person makes you mad or sad or, you know, those type of things like working through those things together. And like, um, we see that with obviously the silly part with Narcissa and Nathaniel, like she just takes advantage of him and he realizes he doesn't need that in his life. Right. And so there's a lot to this movie. I think that it has a lot of really good things to say that are actually very good messages more so than than just having one side or the other. Yeah, I think it breaks a lot of the stereotypes, um, even down to interactions that Giselle was having with the daughter, um, like when they were getting their pampering done and she's like, is this what it's like to have a mother-daughter date? And they kind of go into that not all stepmoms are bad and she knows plenty mm-hmm. of wonderful stepmoms and kind of also nixes that stereotype a little bit. Um, I think I think that back to what Matt was saying about Giselle shining light, she really does let it be okay to be hopeful and excited and happy about things. Yeah. And that's not something that we see a lot modern in modern cinema. And then with her 
changing and growing as a person, realizing that unlike Andalasia, love is not perfect every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I like that they right. contrast that her then relationship with the prince changes um, because the two of them try to go on a date and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> He's yes. like, so are we done yeah. now? We Can we get married? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I like that, you know, they show that somebody can grow and change and then maybe she realizes that what she thought she wanted wasn't what was best for her. And that love isn't perfect Mm -hmm. and that, you know, she did have to make a a choice. Like you said, Matt, you know, it's not always going to be sunshine and roses. Sometimes it's just, even though you're making me mad, I still want to be with you sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a, I mean, and too, I think there's a beauty in this is that it shows that there's this superficial type of love and there is a much more adult version of love which is no not the r-rated version we're talking about earlier but this is what it means is that love is not about these lovey-dovey type of feelings and like that everything is perfect every day no you're gonna have hard days where you don't like each other and where you have to choose to love each other through difficulty and you know that's i think one of the things that this movie really touches on is that idea is that Love is much more than just a feeling mm-hmm. um, and being hooked on a feeling, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, It's a choice um, and a commitment. Mm-hmm. And then, too, yeah. it's, you know, it's so cute that they um, show how basically um, the prince and uh, Dina Menzel's character, Nancy, um, end up getting together, I thought was so fitting because they were kind of hinting all along that what Nancy wanted was different than what Robert wanted. She mm-hmm. was really um, felt most loved by the big romantic gestures. And Robert's just not that person. And right. so then she found the person that is that person all the time. And that was the better match for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, did you catch her last name? No. Tremaine. Oh. So it relates back to Cinderella's stepmom. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Lady Tremaine. Very nice. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Well, I, I did want to ask, because you brought this up a little bit, Amanda, and the idea of his daughter and Giselle and kind of like, you know, him giving Morgan the book and everything. And and so I'm glad both of you are women, so you can correct me if I'm way <laughs> off base. But I felt like the movie was saying that he's really overcompensating in trying to just make her a strong woman instead of respecting all of what it means to be a woman. Not mm-hmm. just the strength, but the also, things that Giselle brings in. Yeah, you know? wanting and to so be feminine. That, which is just as okay and there's just as much power in being soft and kind and gentle and feminine as there is in being strong and capable and accomplished and tough. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's value in all of it and that's the balance that she brought to it. And you see that in the end where um, Morgan does get to play the princess dress and everything as well as, you know, being a very intelligent little girl. Mm-hmm. You can be both. It's not, you're not single faceted as a lady. Right. Well, and I mean, even just showing it, a sense of fun again, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was kind of the thing that was funny about him giving his daughter that book was, yes, there's are important women in history to know about. Um, but he also seemed very serious all yes. the time and that this is a serious book and she's a little kid <laughs> <laughs> and she's like and she dies yeah she's too young yeah. to With, understand like, horror that yeah. dying on her little face <laughs> he's so mm-hmm. bad at explaining oh jeez. yep she died just like she you died will one because day. <laughs> of the research that she did see right? this is a great example oh gosh <laughs> i think that's a great point in that Giselle comes into their relationship and helps him be reminded that just as much as being a parent who like keeps her on schedule and is making her do all the right things that like that life can be fun and it should 
be fun. We yeah. sh- we should be able to have fun. And um, I mean, obviously not all the time at the expense of other things, but there has to be that element. And so I I really love that, you know, she brings that back to him and something that, you know, in many ways, I think he's lost. He has kind of made everything like a business, you know, and like life is not like a business deal. Um, It's so much more holistic than that. And I think that's what Giselle brings back is like, in many ways, she just kind of brings back what true life is like to them um, and and what they've been missing. And so I, I think that's something that's really special, especially for that father-daughter relationship and for her, an understanding then of what it means to be a fully holistic woman, like to be able mm-hmm. to embrace all parts of herself, mm-hmm. you know. To be angry sometimes. Mm-hmm. She's angry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> I know you loved it. (laughs) That's so great. It's so great. Um, Well, I think, you know, the one of the best parts about this film and and one of the genius parts of it is really the cast. Um, And and I think in many ways, I can't really imagine a better Disney princess than Amy Adams. She has an incredibly expressive face. So she is like a cartoon character already. Um, And she has the ability to play innocence like none other and not in a way that makes you just want to like slap somebody (laughs) like which (laughs) some people like when you see them play innocent, you're like, please stop. She's just kind of adorable. I mean, as Mary Poppins would say, she's practically perfect in every way. And I'm not, I, I'd go because otherwise I'm just going to gush. I think Matt's got a crush, guys. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, it's well known. Well known. So it is. He loves redheads too. So that helps. Yes. Yes, I do. So. No, she did. She really does do an incredible job um, with the innocence as well as like where she's at when she starts. And then growing in her toolbox of emotions that she's learning how to work her way through. But she's innocent in a way that is so genuine. And I think that's what really sells it. Because, yeah, if someone was... I don't don't even know. If it was somebody else, you probably would want to smack the crap out of them. Right. Like it needs to feel natural when you're trying to play this much of a a very pure, innocent, kind character. Mm -hmm. And I think also it helped that at the time she was more unknown. You know, it was after this that they really Hollywood believed in her and gave her a lot more roles and she took off. Um, And I think she did her own songs as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, she sings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she has a beautiful voice. I think that she did such a good job at really embracing and becoming this Disney princess character. Um, And I like that um, she does play that purity and fun and joy so well on screen. I couldn't have, have seen a different actress playing this role and it's funny actually if you see the other two actresses they thought of using were kate hudson and reese witherspoon oh gosh no reese witherspoon i'm like maybe because of legally blonde but still amy adams was better uh yeah yeah no i 100 percent agree and no you're i mean chrissy you're absolutely right when you think about like this is i mean she had been on The Office and Talladega Nights by that point. And um, her big movie was Junebug, but it was a very small, like she became known in the film industry because of that film, which she's fantastic in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, this movie, I think, really put her on the map for people uh, in a big way because it's such a big stage. It's a Disney movie. And yeah, I mean, she is absolutely, um, yeah, I've totally got a crush on Amy. Adams, so, <laughs> um and she also I have, plays I have since this movie. So And she also plays the scenes that could have been considered racy, um, so goofy that you can't help but laugh. I mean, <laughs> when she talks about the magic room and where does the water come from and then falls on him, you just crack up. 
And then she's chasing down Nancy as Nancy's trying to like book it out of the house after, you know, the shock of seeing another woman falling on her fiance. She's like, the shower's amazing. You've got to try this (laughs) thing. (laughs) Just totally oblivious. I'm like, oh, she's lovely. Oh my God. Well, and, and it's because she just doesn't have a negative bone in her body, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she plays that so well. Yeah, when she gets out of the shower and she's like being covered up by the towel and everything and she's like she has which, apparently no modesty, um, which is interesting. I guess, you know, when you're kind of like perfect well, as like a person, you know, you don't really it, it's almost like. She's like pre-sin in yeah, the Bible. She's like, never yeah, she, she been exposed she's, to an impure yeah, exactly. intention in her life. So she yep. doesn't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when birds help you get dressed in the morning, you don't really care. Yeah. This is true. She's <laughs> never true. learned or been told that that's something that you should be ashamed of and cover up. Yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, when she sings at the beginning of the movie, she does say that lips are the only things that touch. And I'm like, <laughs> is that the way Sister. that babies get made? I don't think it is. In Disney, Honey, we that need is to how have it a talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so obviously bringing in Patrick Dempsey here, one of the reasons they brought him in is actually because he's the bigger name. You know, Grey's Anatomy is a huge hit at this point. Um, and they wanted a bigger name with Amy Adams there because she isn't. And but I mean, uh, McDreamy, yeah, all day, I'm every in. day. Yes, please, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. of it. Give me double. Yep, mm-hmm. double McDreamy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, he is so um, great at dramatic roles. And obviously you see that in Grey's Anatomy especially, but I think that here he does such a good job at playing the dad who just has a lot on his plate and his wife left him and he just is trying to figure out how to do his best and find happiness at the same time. And it just feels like he's floundering until he meets Giselle and and she really is what brings the fun back to his life. I don't even think he knows what it is to be be happy anymore he's just trying to survive and raise this kid and have some semblance of a nuclear family and that's what he's trying to provide but he can't see past the paperwork yeah you know he he can't get in touch with his i don't even think he acknowledges his emotions anymore right like even his engagement to nancy felt very cold like well my daughter needs a mother so i'm gonna marry this woman Yep. I guess I'm going to tell her tonight. I hope it goes well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <Yep. laughs> well, it's very romantic. I, you know, I don't I don't know if it's like he's that cool. I think he does care for Nancy and he does love her in some way. I think she but checks it, off a, you know, a part of the list. I I think part of that is the case, but I I just think there's just a part of him that's emotionally dead inside, right? Like he yeah. can't reach his deeper emotions, his his full self, because he shut that off. And I think he plays that really well. I, obviously, you know, if you've watched any Grey's Anatomy, you you know he is a be able, he's able to play a, a range of emotions. But I mean, I think this movie allows him to kind of like get into something that you haven't just seen a lot of him do in the really the long time since i mean he was a kid when he was in you know teen movies like can't buy me love where he's really <laughs> kind of getting to play a, yeah. a lot more comedy and have a lot more fun even for himself and so i think you know i mean i, I feel like the last time that i'd seen him really kind of be this funny for the most part was something like sweet home alabama Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this just gave him an opening to, to, to have a good time. And I think he's really good at it. I'm, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of his and, and I have been, I, I really, I can't stand later Grey's Anatomy, but those early few seasons, like through four and five, I mean, just great stuff and actually very good show. Um, and he's phenomenal in it. And so yeah, having him in it, I think was just perfect casting. Oh yeah, I I really love him in the role, and 
I loved his role on Grey's. I'm with you, though. Everything after the plane crash, I kind of checked out. Yeah. Do you ever just go <laughs> yeah. back sometimes and rewatch the earlier uh, episodes where he and Gray started dating? Yeah. Yep. My that- wife and I are, are in <laughs> season three right now, and we just yes. keep looking at each other. Almost every episode we're watching, we're like, this show was so good. Mm-hmm. And now it beat it's the dead horse, unfortunately, with oh, that yeah. one a bit. But yeah, yeah. Listen, I, you can't even tell it's a dead horse anymore. <laughs> it's just some like inanimate matter on the ground that and there's like a kid with a stick. Bloody. Dude, exactly. I stopped so. at sympathetic pregnancy. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Well, James Marsden, so fantastic. Um, I think in this role, and another person, I think who's just kind of really well cast to play the role that you need like i i don't i especially from a female perspective does does he work for you guys uh eh. patrick dempsey is more my speed i know but i'm also not huge into uh what's his name that you're obsessed with either pretty boy Witcher. Oh, Henry Cavill? Yes, thank you. Mm, I do love a classic prince. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, oh, I like James, my Henry Cavill too, so. Yeah, see. Uh, but yeah, James Marsden, I thought he was perfectly cast for this kind of movie, especially if you hearken back to when he played um in Hairspray as Corny Collins. He can very much turn on that like fake TV charm kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and here he's so good at playing the goofy nitwit. <laughs> Aww. You know, like he just he just knows that he loves her and he wants to get married. And he doesn't know what happens after that. That's all he's been told. And he's you know, just he, as innocent. Yeah, exactly. And I, I love that scene too where they have Nathaniel ask him, Do you like yourself? And he goes, What's not to like? You know? <laughs> like he's just like, Yeah, I'm great. so yeah i I thought he was perfect i thought that they did such a good job too glad you mentioned matt of making the animated characters match their real life actor counterparts um and here i think that's also easier with someone with james facial structure i think he just kind of looks like someone who in real life could play a prince very well yes and I think one of the things that makes him so good is like I always think of him in like 27 dresses where mm-hmm. he plays, you know, the other guy. And, you know, um, he's really great at that role. But here he just does the same thing that Amy Adams is doing, but on the opposite side. And he is just a guy who's just ready to love and he's just like a very excited to like be with somebody and like spend the rest of their lives together and, you know, making her happy. Right. And and just being her prince. Um, and so and making her his queen. And, and it just. There's there's something I think that as silly as the character is, I do think that that's the beauty of you know, uh, Nancy ending up with him because women still want to be made to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. They, it, they don't just want, you know, straight laced and like, you know, like people like to be made to feel special. And so I think that's something that I really like about this movie. Again, I think it it really kind of shows us the full breadth of what it means to like be in love and be a man and a woman. And in, in, in that it's not just one thing or another. There's a lot of different variations in between, right? And so mm-hmm. you could be anywhere on the spectrum between Prince Edward and Robert. Uh, and so, and, and the same thing, you can be on the spectrum between Nancy and Giselle. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's so much in there. And it's like, it's not just that one is better than the other. It's about really kind of respecting who each person is and, and loving them for who they are. So. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we definitely need to talk about, especially since I mentioned already the joke about, do you like yourself? <laughs> Nathaniel. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy that he got a semi happy ending. What? And told her off. 
Mm-hmm. I was so proud of him. That was a proud mama moment. I know, I, right? I felt so bad. The, like every time I watch this movie and I see him just getting bulldozed and manipulated mm-hmm. and you can see him half acknowledging that something's not right for majority of the film. Like you can tell that he's kind of like, is she, is she messing with me right now? And when he finally comes to terms with it and sticks up for himself and does the right thing and it looks like a weight's just lifted off of his shoulders. Yeah. Well, he realizes that a, she's never going to actually follow Mm -hmm. through with her promises that they're going to never actually be together at the end of things that it's always going to be the next thing she needs him for. Yeah. Um, and that I, I love that moment that he, you know, he's watching the silly soap opera and thinks about like, oh, yeah, this thing has been all about her. What about me? Yeah. You know, and that you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else. I think, you know, Timothy Spall is just so good in this role. Um, you know, he's fantastic in playing these type of characters that are just weaselly. Mm-hmm. And yet what was kind of great in this one, like you both said, is that you got that opportunity to see that he's just a character who is being used and like he's doing the things he's doing to try and please somebody that he shouldn't even be trying to please right in the end. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a real good message in that in the sense that like too many people especially teenage kids get caught in trying to please somebody and do something for somebody because they want to be loved by them mm-hmm. that they shouldn't do both girls and boys. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just a the one side or the other. So I really appreciate that this movie gives, I think parents a great opportunity uh, to be able to talk to their children about, what it means to when and 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 recognize the uh, the signs that somebody's just using you and they don't really love you and and so I think you know it's done in a very silly way but I think it's super important. Yeah, I think it appropriately showed the stages of realization and some grief and some frustration and upset, but ultimately freedom. That comes with mm-hmm. l- acknowledging and then leaving that toxic relationship. And that could be anything mm-hmm. from a friendship to a romantic partnership to whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm glad I left our friendship. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I just had to. Good night. Um, <laughs> but uh, so the one thing with him, though, that annoyed me that it just makes you feel icky is even though you know he's being used and you feel bad for him and you want him things to get better for him i don't like when he's like feeling frisky and makes that weird noise did i miss that every time he's talking to her and he's like (laughs) (laughs) like it didn't even dawn on me that that was like a It's supposed to be. Oh. It's icky. Ew. You don't like it. I don't think you're supposed to like it. I think it's supposed to be gross. So <laughs> it's I, it's I, supposed I'm to right make you uncomfortable. You. It's like, oh. If it's not making you uncomfortable, I think we have bigger problems. Yeah, Amanda <laughs> didn't notice, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's better, you know, <laughs> yeah. honestly. Yeah. So. I just thought it was like part of his character and like a vocal tick thing when he was talking. So it didn't <laughs> dawn on me that it stopped when he wasn't talking. <laughs> it's just a tick it's a a disney movie people do weird stuff all the time in disney movies that's not appropriate in a real life situation okay that's true this one was just super weird so no i agree with you christy i i'm i'm right there uh (laughs) that that part was very strange but i I think it was also part of uh, obviously trying to sell that there's like this desire he has you know, and mm-hmm. that that's kind of going with, um, I think, you know, the the, the kids um, trying to like give them something that's not overly licentious, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to, to see that there's something about um, his desire for her. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, I think 
I can't imagine anybody better as Queen Narcissa than Susan Sarandon. I think she just is this character um, in many ways. And um, I'm not actually like a huge fan of hers as an actress, but I think (gasps) she's perfectly cast as this character. Have you seen Stepmom? Thank you. It's been a long time, but yes, I've seen Stepmom. She was perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. She's perfect in a lot of things. She's just a perfect person. And she plays annoyed very well. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. it's my alter ego when I'm annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh, God, I'm going to have to do this myself. (laughs) But yeah, she was well cast as the villain in this. And she looked hot. I mean, for Uh her age and stuff. I mean, and the costuming was good. The makeup was good. She yep. looked like an evil queen come to life. Yeah, and they still had to make sure she was desirable in some lights, too. Otherwise, why Why would anyone want to have anything to do with her besides, like, Manuel pining after her for the entire film? Mm-hmm. So, Well, I mean, I and I think part of that obviously goes to um, I all of the, you know... I mean, you think of of the witches in the Disney films. Mm -hmm. It's not like they're not, they don't have a, a, like a terrifying beauty to them, right? You know, I I think that's a part of all of these characters. And so, and then especially like both of you said to have her kind of have a, like an, an evil sexiness to her is, is kind of a part of, of the film too. You know, again, she's using her feminine wiles to get what she wants from people, especially mm-hmm. Nathaniel. And so, um, and again, like regardless of whether I love Susan Sarandon or not, I think she's perfectly cast here to play this role um, because she can play it so stinking well. Yep. And I think they did an incredible job having the um, homage paid to Maleficent mm-hmm. with her end form. Yeah, I becoming that the was dragon. Spectacular. Yep. I was like, oh, thank you. Because Sleeping Beauty is one of my all time favorites from growing yep, up. Me too. Yep. Yeah, we're all on the same page. Yep. Yeah, no, I, Sleeping Beauty is actually my favorite Disney animated film. So, um, that and then The Lion King. So, it's, it's the only, uh, well, Detour. It's the only one that's truly art. Like it is, they it was the the movie that they spent the most money on and the most time on, and it is. And I mean, every frame is just a piece of art. It's so moving it's, stained yeah. glass. Mm-hmm. It, pretty much, it's yeah. stunning. 100%. It is also visually yep. stunning. One of the best songs of all time, "Once Upon a Dream." Oh yeah. Yep. I sing it all the time. Uh huh. In the shower. Yep. Yep. Right well, there. In other you. places too. <laughs> Yeah. I like the acoustics. (laughs) Can I ask both of you, do you think it's a little bit weird that Adina Menzel is in this movie and she never gets to sing? I wish they gave her a song, but maybe she would have been such a powerhouse that they couldn't risk it without overshadowing the entire cast because she is so accomplished. That's what I was wondering. Because, well, what year did Frozen come out? Was this pre-Frozen? Oh, gosh, Mm -hmm. yeah. Way pre-Frozen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a few years prior. Um, yeah. Well, so but she at this point, though, she's got to be known for Wicked. Was yeah. she? Yeah, she was she known ha- for yeah, Wicked. She, in fact, there's a poster for Wicked in Times Square. So, I mean, huh. she's she's absolutely known as an incredible singer already. Okay. So, yeah, I I wonder if that was intentional. Because of that reason, because they want the focus to be on Amy Adams and Susan Sarandon and on um, James Marsden more for that kind of thing. Um, And they don't want her to overshadow them. And it was kind of refreshing to see her in a a different light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and she's the best part about it is, too, is that she's not a terrible person. She's not somebody you don't really like. You just know that. Obviously, she's not the one for Robert, even though she's not a horrible person. And so mm-hmm. I, I think and she she plays the part well. Um, 
it was it was just funny. I'm like, she's in this movie and she doesn't get to sing. And then my favorite, I think my the best casting in this movie is the fact that it's Jody Benson playing his secretary, and it's Ariel. Mm-hmm. I love that it's Ariel. And she even gets to do an impression of one at one point of a Disney princess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's a nice little Easter egg. Well, and there's a there's that great moment where um you're looking at the aquarium uh-huh. and it's playing part of your world in the like you can hear it's like playing on the Muzak basically. Oh, uh, I didn't catch that. It's just the uh, yeah, it's really great. So it's it's uh, yeah, I loved that moment. And then of course, like her spitting the fish into the cup yes. and handing it back to her. It just <laughs> oh man, this is great. So what did you guys think about the songs? I mean, because, you know, this movie has got a couple of really big musical numbers in it. I think they're all a really good time. It's not like my all-time favorite musical number um, or like score from a Disney film, but I really enjoyed all of them. They're really fun. Um, I like when they come on on my Disney Siri mishmash when I'm cleaning the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and I are the same in that. We both listen to Disney music while cleaning. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're Disney princesses. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, and you know why, though, these sound like that is because they brought back, back Alan Minken, mm-hmm. who worked on yep. a lot of the iconic big Disney animated songs. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, and it was a yeah. genius move of theirs. Oh, yeah. And it, my two favorites from this movie are um, Happy Little Working Song and um, That's How You Know. Well, and I, I, what I love about the working song is the way it subtly makes fun of all of the working songs we've had before mm-hmm. by adding in the fact that they're cleaning up crud in the kitchen or talking about how they're vermin. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> it's just words you wouldn't normally hear in a Disney song. And in here they, it's, it is because everything's just a slightly off kilter because, you know, it's not being cleaned by sweet little woodland animals. It's like disgusting ones like rats yep. and cockroaches Cockroaches. and And you can just see it dawning on her face as they're all piling in and she just blinks twice and is like well we love making new friends (laughs) you're just like oh you poor thing (laughs) she's making it work at a girl (laughs) she's like this is disgusting but i'm going with it we're just gonna make it work it's fine (laughs) i'm sure it's fine um uh, I really like the song that they dance to um, as uh, the 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 big you know movie is going to end. Um, what's it at called? the ball? Uh, yeah, so close. Um, and I, it's a perfect song. Like and two, like if you've ever had a love that you're longing for and they don't really know that you exist. This is like the song that you should probably play over and over again because till they get it so close <laughs> and yet so far. Um, it's just it's a it's a, again the lyrics are really good and, and I think look Christy you called out the fact that you bring back one of the Disney masters in Alan Menken and he really does a great job of creating songs that not only fit the moment but there are actually songs that are fun to listen to outside of the film which is another great mm-hmm. thing and th- that one of all of them. Um, except for the Carrie Underwood song, which is a fantastic song as well. I think this one is just it. There's a, it's actually a really beautiful, like kind of melancholy love ballad, and it's just great. So I think the songs here are one of the to me actual standouts because of the way that they play with playing with Disney, mm-hmm. and so I just yeah really liked it. Um, well. I wanted to ask both of you, you know, we kind of like the end of the movie, we kind of turn everything on its head and we turn the prince into it's the prince in distress instead of the damsel. And it is kind of a big over the top, you know, effects extravaganza. And so I just wondered how that worked for both of you. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It was refreshing to have everything end up a little differently than you go into the movie feeling like it's going to end up. So I think it was a really enjoyable ride watching the character growth, some more than others. But I think that everyone really 
um, was given the opportunity to grow in this movie, which was nice. Um, and, and I, I kind of liked seeing everything get flipped around. And I love that Nancy got this storybook ending and that Giselle got to choose her own ending, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And did you love that in the wedding between Nancy and the prince, she dips him? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just she thought did. that twist was cute. She's like, oh, I'm going to kiss you. And she chucks her cell phone. Great service here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew Andalasia had just amazing service? Yeah. Even with no cell towers. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah I, I would say overall, I love how they did it um, to wrap up the story. The The only thing for me that kind of draws back, and I don't know how I would have done it differently, though, is... The effects of the dragon and the chipmunk just kind of bother me. I just, you know, it's kind of like when um, Stuart Little started that whole trend of having a lot of um, realistic looking effects driven animals. I think that one they did it well, but here I just felt like it looked a little weird. Did anyone else think that? The dragon, yes. Because they definitely go much more cartoony in its look without even trying to make it look realistic at all. You know, I think Mm -hmm. Pip, they are trying to make much more photorealistic. And I think it's more a case of it and, you know, it's it's effects from the 2000s. And so just for the time. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like they were held back a little by current tech. But I agree with you. You know, the dragon has never been my favorite part. Even though the fact that they just kind of pay homage to Maleficent at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Did anyone else notice how very 2000s the dragon part looked as she was growing into the dragon, though? Oh, yes. It looked really funky. Yeah. Compared to what we get now. I was like, oh, I don't Mm -hmm. remember it looking that bad. Yeah. and, and, And I think, you know, those are all things to which it's like thankfully they don't take away anything from mm-hmm. the film for me no think, right like the know, rest of so. it makes up for that small moment mm-hmm. but yeah. the idea was cool yes so i'm very interested to find out what both of you then would rate enchanted um i would give it like a six okay out of ten yeah oh interesting anything you want to add I lo- it's like a I'm entertained. It's a really enjoyable movie. It's not one of my all time favorite Disney films, but I think it was a really important film to have happen, and it set the tone for a lot of things that came after it. So I really do respect the film for what it brought to the table as far as Disney goes, because I don't think we up till that point had gotten anything in the Disney realm like that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, the biggest selling point for this is that it's so different, mm-hmm. that it feels familiar, but they change some things up that you don't expect. Um, So I would say for me, it's a seven. I'm going to go a little bit higher um, just because I think that it's something, well, I know it's something I revisit a lot just because it's so fun. Um, And a big part of that is the music, but also, you know, sometimes you do love that feeling of being romanced and mm-hmm. want to like bring some of that back. So I, I love that that was still an emphasis. Um, and like I said, the, the effects were the only thing that kind of um, rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, but overall really enjoyable and um, like that. It's so unique. I am very surprised that I am the only one here <laughs> that is going to give this move what it deserved, which is a 10 out of 10. Really? We're doing tens because to me, Amy Adams? No, no. Um, (laughs) As we were finishing it the other night, I was just realizing like this movie is just kind of practically perfect in the sense that like it has all of the fun. Um, It, I think it perfectly pays homage to what it's trying to pay homage to while at the same time crafting something that feels really fun to be watching and adds to that. And comments on it well, and like we talked about all the thematic elements we were talking through, and it's just like, this is just such a really good movie, and and it's 
you know, it's been a long time, I feel like, that since there's been a movie for the family that you could come away with, it's like this wonderful and this clean. And like, I was even thinking like, yeah, I loved free guy. Right. But like, that's not even a movie like the, for the entire family. It's close, Mm -hmm. but this is just like something the entire family can sit down and watch and everybody can get something out of it. And it's just Disney at its best. Um, But at the same time, I think it was Disney at its best stretching itself by helping us to see a lot more variations to classic thematic elements. So I just love this movie, and it doesn't hurt that I love both of the stars in it with Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey, and I think everybody else does such a fantastic job in the movie that I this is a movie that I could just legitimately probably watch just about any time because it's just so much fun. So, But... It's now that time of the show for some recommendations, so I'm going to be very interested to see what you want to recommend to people this week, Christy. Okay, uh, so I actually was thinking about some other um, Amy Adams work since we were talking about her praises so much, and I really wanted to recommend something that maybe not a lot of people have seen, um, but was a really great movie that had Amy Adams as a main character, and that's called The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg. Yes. And she is completely different in that role than she is in this movie. (laughs) In the yes, best way, is. it's uh, about a, a Boston family, and uh, it's also got Christian Bale in it, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a more gritty movie, and she plays a more gritty character, but it's such a good movie with a lot of heart to it, and uh, I highly recommend checking out The Fighter, which was came out in 2010. Fantastic. Well, Amanda, what would you like to recommend to everybody this week? Okay. And circling back to the theme of different kinds of families, like we saw in Enchanted and seeing a less than atypical nuclear family, I wanted to recommend Lilo and Stitch because that movie is so wholesome and so good. And I feel like sometimes people just forget to watch it because it's not a princess movie and it's not Mm -hmm. like a fall in love, get swept off your feet family, but I think the concept of Ohana and what they do in that film um, and, you know, it's not perfect, but it's mine. Mm -hmm. I think that that makes this film so, so special in and out of the Disney universe. Like just watch it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the best. And it's got Elvis. And it's got Elvis. (laughs) Yeah. No, I heartily agree. I love that movie. Like Mm -hmm. I really love that movie. It's just, it's so good. Warm, so fuzzy good. feelings. Well, I am going to recommend to everybody, you know, I mentioned that my wife and I have been re-watching Early Grey's Anatomy. And so I'm going to recommend, if you've never seen the show before, you know what? I would just recommend watching through, say, the end of season four and just stopping there and never watching it again. Um, but it's a really good show to that point. And I think... It's it's a it and that would end it in a place where it just it makes it worth um, watching it too. Um, if if you continued like I did, it will become unwatchable and not worth it. But this was fantastic in this way. You really get a chance to see something that I think, you know, it it truly changed the face of television. Um, you know, and it was a, a massive phenomenon. And so I just, I can't honestly recommend those first few seasons more. Um, and phenomenal performances by some actors that have gone on to do incredible things. So yeah. Uh, like Sandra first four oh. seasons, Yeah. First four seasons of Grey's Anatomy, definitely worth the watch. But uh, Amanda, we're so glad that we had you back. And we know that you'll be back here uh, soon too, to talk more things with us, but In the meantime, if people did want to catch up with you, where can they find you? I am on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all under the handle of at Twin Sons Amanda. I wonder why. (laughs) I couldn't tell you. 
I'm just as clueless as you, man. It <laughs> might be Star Wars related. Possibly. Um, Some binary. Oh, sons. I just thought she was seeing double. Or <laughs> it could be that her husband, yeah, husband now, runs yeah. a show called... Uh, Twin Sons Transmission. Although it has been on hiatus since the wedding because... Okay. It very seriously took over our lives in the biggest way possible. <laughs> yep. That makes sense. Well, Christy, where can everybody find you? Yeah, so uh, I also have a similarly Star Wars name on all of my handles. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And of course, our show that Amanda and I do where we get to cover geeky stuff we don't usually talk about, um, including her wedding. Um is Sabres and Spells over on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, Skynet. Skynet. <laughs> there you go. Is that your favorite part? <laughs> it is. It makes That's me so creepy. happy. It, it is, is creepy, Apparently but it's, it's, gonna, so, it's, it's fun creepy. Yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can find me all over social media with the name MattRushing02, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, all of those type of places. Uh, of course, you can find me here on the network in the 602 Club feed with Assembling Avengers and... Snyder Cuts, plus I got The Orb, Warp 5, and Literary Treks. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. And Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. And then over on the Nerd Party Network, I've got a finished show called Owl Post. Did that with Drea Coffin, where we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And I gotta say, I'm so excited because the new trailer for fantastic beasts the secrets of dumbledore dropped today and i can't wait um but while you're waiting for that you can also check out aggressive negotiations that i'm doing with john mills which is a star wars podcast and we have a grand old time talking about all things star wars but thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now you hear 